Hello everyone and welcome to Pineapple Reels. I'm your host Nia and this week we're going to be covering the debut horror film from writers and directors Gerard Bush and Christopher Renz. Stay tuned. So I want to start off by saying what the synopsis is so everybody can get on the same page if you maybe don't know what the movie is supposed to be about. So via IMDb, the synopsis is successful author Veronica Henley finds herself trapped in a horrifying reality that forces her to confront the past, present, and future before it's too late. Now since we're talking about foreshadowing, we have to definitely start with the title of the movie itself antebellum it's not a common word we don't use it a lot in everyday talking so whenever you're gonna watch a movie and you hear a word that you have no idea what it's about it's it's usually a red herring to guide you as a viewer yet again of hey here's where we're going here's what it's about so i did i didn't know what antebellum meant which antebellum means occurring or existing before a particular war, especially the American Civil War. Now, even though I knew that, from what the trailer that I saw looked like, it seemed as though this movie talked about time travel or reincarnation. It just made sense. So yeah, the the trailer irritated me slightly after I watched the movie only because... It just didn't add up correctly to me, but I also understand why they did it because they didn't want to give the way of the movie. So they had to try to be as vague as possible with still captivating audiences, which they did a good job at that because they for sure got me on that trailer alone. I saw Janelle Monet. It looked like it was about something kind of cool, weird and creepy. I'm like, okay, that's my that's my jam right there. I'm going to go for it. And I like I said, I had no problem letting Amazon take this $20 for this movie rental. Antebellum came out this past Friday and it has been hyped up for quite some time. The trailers have been out for the past three or four months. I have quite a few movie trailer YouTube video um, subscriptions that I follow and this one came up right away for me and I was immediately gravitated towards it because it came off as some type of sci-fi horror, sci-fi thriller that is that plays with time. And that's my bread and butter because I love movies that deal with time. Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies and I will always argue it. It's very good. So overall with this movie, it was good. But I feel like, from what I read with the, what, what critics have said about it and general public, it's pretty much half and half. Some people really liked it. Some people didn't like it. Some people didn't like it because they didn't understand it. And then those that didn't like it, they understood it. They just didn't think it really fit well. I will say that whenever you're a director, your debut film is a very big deal. It is always hit or miss. Either you're going to do great at the box office or you're going to flop. And it's still a little bit early to tell with this movie. Like I said, the reviews I have seen or heard has been pretty much half and half with it. That being said, it is a $20 rental fee to view it. I did mine via Amazon Prime. And 
with Amazon Prime, you actually get it for a full 48 hours of viewing, but I don't know if you... So if you like to watch movies more than once, it's perfect. I watched Antebellum twice. The first time I watched it by myself, and the second time I watched it with somebody. And the good thing about watching it with somebody is that you can, you know, ask them questions, see what their mind's at. Oh, what do you think's happening? Oh, what do you think that thing is right there? And maybe I'm a bad person to watch movies with. It, it just depends. If you're going to, it, it just depends. I'll say that. Because for me, I'll watch a movie and every shot, in my opinion, or in my experience of watching a movie is intentional to a certain extent. With directors like Quentin Tarantino in particular, a small scene that has a background actor walking, you may not pay attention to it or not think it's a big deal, but they're gonna come they're gonna pop up at some point in time in the movie and you're gonna be like, Oh man, I never saw that coming when in reality here goes a director dangling foreshadowing in front of your face this entire time but you were so focused on one thing that you couldn't see past it. And that is definitely what Antebellum did here, which I do appreciate. I love, I love a good foreshadowing. I think it's amazing to be able to, when you go back after you watch it the first time and say, oh, there it goes right there. If I would have paid attention the first time, I would have realized A, B, C, D. And Antebellum is a good job of, giving you that foreshadowing, yet you don't know what to deal with. And I will give everybody a heads up, spoilers ahead. I will try not to ruin the entire thing, but it's been out for a few days now. You can go ahead and watch it. I'm not really... It's not that bad, so it'll be fine. This movie is definitely what I would call a slow burn. And I mean a slow burn. The pacing is not the... It's just different kind of pacing. So you have to really strap in. This movie comes in at a one hour and 45 minute mark time mark. And I would say about half of the movie, you're not 100% sure of what's going on and how this movie is leading you. Because this movie doesn't necessarily hold your hand and walk you through it entirely. It's kind of like they throw you in the middle of a maze. And they're like, you'll figure it out eventually. And by the time you figure it out, you're like, oh, I know exactly how to get out of here. You can clearly see the entrance. It's a, it's a straight line now. Of course, you understand how to get out. It, we made it very easy for you. Another scene I had an issue with, and I did speak to my sister about this, and we did it and ultimately decide, maybe because we're women, that's why we're thinking this way, but the scene where Veronica and her friends part for the night, where Veronica goes, goes back to her hotel room and her other two friends go out for a night on the town with drinks and dancing and they get ubers and her friends say bye to her as she she climbs into her uber and they go their own way into their uber when she steps into the uber the music's very loud she asks the person to turn it down they don't she gets a phone call from a random number and the girl's yelling saying hey like i can't find you where you at which at this point we're like, oh, this is your Uber driver originally, but the music's so loud, she, Veronica can't understand what this woman's talking about and hangs up the phone, tells the driver again, hey, can you turn the music down, please? It's very loud. The driver again ignores her. 
this is how she winds up getting kidnapped initially. And it bothered me because I ride ride shares. And the number one thing that you're supposed to do when you ride a ride, whenever you use a ride share, excuse me, is you check the license plate. You're checking the color of the car, the make and model, the license plate, the picture on your app, and the person in front of your face. If those do not match, you don't just climb into the car for these kinds of reasons. But also, on a flip of the coin, the directors probably did this to highlight a bit of human trafficking that was a big deal a few years ago, and it's still a big deal now, but a few years ago, it was making uh, news that there were a lot of young Black girls being kidnapped and human trafficked. And it was happening by things like this. It was happening in Houston, Texas and Dallas, Texas, of Black women getting abducted, whether it was via Uber or just some random person taking them while they're in a parking lot or a car garage. So that could be a nod that the directors decided to put in there some truth with with all this and you know make it seem more real and hit home for people to see how easily and how quickly something like this could happen so I'm, I'm glad I was able to talk to my sister about that to kind of put a different perspective on I was like oh yeah and, you know we're women so maybe that's what we're thinking well check the car and check the driver and all of that where it's two men riding from when they may not have had that thought in their mind People have been talking about if Antebellum is a horror movie. And I feel like it definitely is. You may not get to the true horror part a little bit later, but there are a lot of disturbing things that we see and hear throughout this movie. Sometimes in small quantities, sometimes in bigger quantities. And just like Get Out, just like Us, it's a discussion that you may have amongst peers. So I have definitely had that conversation with friends of if you were alive in a certain time period and this event happened, what do you think you would have done? If you were a woman during the suffrage movement, what do you think you would have done at that time period? If you were born in a time period where you were a slave or slavery existed, do you think that you'd be working on the field in the fields or do you think you'd be one of the people that would uprise and attack? You never know until you're put in that position. And I feel like that is definitely what the directors were pushing us in is you had someone like the professor, Professor Eli, uh, not Professor Eli, (laughs) Eli, who is a professor, but his quote unquote slave name is Eli. And he wanted to go. So he had all this hope. He doesn't need to know, hey, when we go who's going with us and how are we executing this plan? And Everybody looked towards Veronica or Eden, if you want to call her Eden during this time period, looked at her as their savior of what are you going to do to help us get out of here? And Kiersey Clemens' character, Julia, she just didn't have time, which she realized later on. She reached her breaking point. There was a time in the movie where she came to Eden and asked, when are we going to leave? We got to go. And she's like, "I, I, I can't. You know, I just tried. They burned me. Just give it some time. Give me some time. I'll figure something else out after you more calculated. And she tried to leave multiple times, but it just wasn't just a one time deal. She did try to leave multiple times and it just didn't work out in her favor. So she doesn't get a chance to make a plan for Julia to see or hear 
because after Julia is beaten and raped by one of the soldiers for speaking out of turn, she misses a day of work, which is a which is you know written off as okay, that's fine to do what happened, but she misses the next day as well. And when Eden goes in to check on her to make sure she's okay, she sees her hanging from the rafters. And that was her breaking point, obviously, where she's like, I can't do this anymore. I don't have a hope to go on. I want to escape. She just was raped and beaten. She just had a miscarriage. She's stuck in a place where she cannot get out. Her hope has died. And it definitely takes a toll on Eden and she does decide not that long after, like, hey, you know what? We're leaving. I don't want this happening anymore. We gotta go. Something that was lacking to me was character development. I feel like we had a lot of side characters, but we didn't get to really know them as people. It was by the time we got into the character and liked them, poof, they were gone. The first one was Nick, who is Veronica's husband, played by Mark Richardson, who is from Dear White People, which is what proud people. Nick, who is played by Mark Richardson, he plays Janelle Monet's husband in this film. He also was in Dear White People, he played Reggie. I would have loved to see him just a little bit more. He was on screen for all of maybe five minutes. And again, with Gabby Sibide, who played her best friend, I feel we only had her for five minutes. Kiersey Clemens, again, I had we had her for maybe five or ten minutes in the movie, and her she did play a big role in it because she a, a bigger supporting character role because she was some sort of catalyst to help Veronica or Eden want to get out even more you know like okay you know all these people are depending on me I gotta go and that slight hesitation trickled down and you know caused her to lose someone which is definitely weighing heavy on her which is why she tells Eli later hey we gotta go ASAP also Eli is a really great character as well it's also his name is um Professor Tarasi and we didn't get a lot of him either. He's had some small roles. He was in American Horror Story 1984. And I, and he was also in Ice Zombie. And when we do hear him speak, it is very short or it's very whispered so that he doesn't get in trouble. And by the time we do hear him talk just a little bit more, he dies like two minutes later. And we're just like, ugh, I was rooting for you. I was rooting for this team, I was rooting for this duo, and now he's gone. Which, it might just be part of the story, and that's where the, the directors decided to put it in, to make it where everyone around her that is her friend support system in this new environment is gone, and she must fend for herself. Because in the end, that is what happened. She has to do everything by herself and get out herself in order to be free and help other people. Now here comes the major spoiler. So if you have not seen Antebellum, this is your last chance to not know about the biggest spoiler or whatever the secret is of the movie. So I would suggest that you hit pause now, go watch the movie or go finish watching the movie and then come right on back and then listen to the rest of it so that you can get a complete and total idea. Let's talk about this twist, shall we? Because... 
<laughs> from the trailers I saw, I wasn't expecting it. And it didn't click for me until quite a while into it when I when I realized that something was off, majorly off. And for me, it was the scene where Kiersey Clemens' character, Julia, is found hanging in the uh, among the rafters and it it zooms in on a butterfly tattoo on her ankle now this is supposed to be the what 1700 1800s then that type of tattoo with the the quality and the texture would not have existed at that time It, it wasn't possible Usually at that time, people really were more into brands of anything. That's what they would get on their bodies. So when I saw that, I just kept staring at it. And I was like, why is this? Why does her tattoo look like this? It's one of two things. Either it's purpose, it's it's on purpose to show something, or it's whoever was supposed to do the makeup for the tattoo for her didn't know what tattoos looked like at that time, and they goofed. But... It it's that that's a big goof if you mess up on it, and it does happen. That does happen. I will say in movies of they get the tattoos wrong for the time period, and you probably wouldn't know unless you uh, know tattoos and you know you know ta- how tattoos have evolved over over the past few decades. The twist in this movie is reminiscent of M Night Shyamalan's The Village and also HBO's Westworld. It's kind of like the two merged and had a baby because with the village, it was a group of people that was told a lie and they didn't know any better. And that's what they knew as truth. Just like, you know, your life right now is truth. And the secrets revealed later and they were very surprised of what was going on. And for Westworld, we have AI that you know looks and acts human and you can tell you can make it do whatever you want with that without any issue um later on they they you know obviously grew their own thoughts and and had their own ideas and such but antebellum like i said is a a mashup of the two and i think it's more of a paying homage to both of them so one of the directors gerard he had said that he had the idea for this movie from a dream that he had so from that dream and obviously whatever kind of movies that he likes and it's popular in pop culture, you, you mix all that together and you get Antebellum. Overall, I would give Antebellum a 7.5 or an 8 out of 10. And the reason for that scoring for me is because, one, the pacing of the movie. It did start off slow. Like I said earlier, it is a slow burn kind of film, which I don't mind slow burn films, but this one, it just seemed like the movie didn't get the pacing quite correct. And if you're going to give me a, give your viewers a slow burn, you got to give us a little bit stronger content to keep us truly engaged. If I'm going to be looking at a scene, the scene needs to have something in it that that pertains to the story. So there's a scene where Janelle Monae's character, Veronica, is doing yoga in her hotel room and uh, is interrupted by uh, Gabby Sibide's character, Bridget, with iced coffees, which it seemed like there was no need for it. I, I understood the whole introducing her friend kind of thing, but they could have had a scene on their own of her coming to the hotel room. There was no need to have the yoga and choice they're in there. It just, it was just weird to me. But again, that's 
me nitpicking it of what is the purpose of me watching this scene right now? How does it pertain to the story? Is it just filler? Because it was a few minutes of filler. Now, would I recommend Antebellum to anyone? Yes, I recommend it to my friends as soon as I finished it. As soon as I finished it, I texted my friends and my family and I asked them, have you seen Antebellum yet? Have you heard of it? If they didn't, I sent them the trailer. And most of them watched it as well and we had a discussion afterwards. So I think it's a good movie to spark discussion. But overall, I think it is a good watch. And as far as the platforms with how movies are going to be right now in COVID time, that that's going to be here to stay, folks. I'm, I'm sorry to tell y'all the hard truth. It just makes sense to them. But you got to also think of it as a bargain. It's a bargain if you watch movies with other people. If you're someone like me who will watch a movie by themselves or if people doesn't matter, you want to watch a movie, you watch it when you want then it's not so financially beneficial because you're talking about $20 a movie when it's a brand new straight-to-video release that's not an indie film. So that's something to keep in in mind. Uh, (laughs) If you're apprehensive because of what a review had said or what someone you know had said, if you're adventurous, take a risk. Watch it. You might like it. And if you don't like it, it, it's whatever. It's a movie. It's there to provide entertainment but overall the directors want to spark a conversation of quite a few different topics and I think they definitely are doing that from what I've seen online I did check IMDB and on IMDB this movie is rated a 5.5 out of 10 it doesn't have too many votes a few thousand but still and it might climb up a little bit more it might it might it might go it might go down but I feel like it's one of those things that you need to find, you need to watch for yourself. Alrighty, well that concludes this week's episode of Pineapple Reels. Thank you so much for tuning in. Subscribe to my podcast. That'd be great and super appreciated. I will be doing a podcast every week and I'll be doing TV shows, movies, cult classics. I'll definitely be highlighting directors, big ones, ones that are unknown, I'll also be covering sleeper movies, uh, movies that are amazing to watch, but you probably never heard of. So yeah, if you love movies, I would definitely, I definitely think you should turn in. Thank you. Mm-hmm.